fam, and welcome to the Call Cheryl Hunt podcast, and I am your host, Cheryl Spears. Each week, we'll be sharing stories from people who have had firsthand experiences with MLMs like Beachbody or Body, and examine the questionable tactics used by some of the leaders in these companies. Please note that some of the content we cover may be disturbing, and we encourage you to check the show notes for disclaimers. Our aim is not to bully or harm anyone, but rather to educate and shed light on the truth. This podcast is not just an anti-MLM podcast. My goal is to help prevent others from falling into the same trap I did being a part of an MLM for eight years. Please keep in mind that the guests on the show are sharing their personal experiences and opinions, and the information provided is intended for informational purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice. If you would like to share your own story, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at callsherylhine at gmail.com or feel free to DM me on Instagram at call Cheryl Hine or on my personal Instagram at Cheryl S. Spears. So sit back, relax, and get ready for an eye-opening episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on any of the valuable insights and personal experiences shared by our guest. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Hey fam, you are listening to the Call Cheryl Hunt podcast and I am your host, Cheryl Spears. Today we have our residential guest that comes every month, Jacqueline. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm doing better. Um, I recently started going to therapy and Mm. was actually diagnosed with anxiety, depression, and ADHD. Okay. So I'm on medication. Um, I highly suggest anyone that has the feelings that just something's not right. Mm -hmm. Um, Life shouldn't be this hard. I think my problem is, I think what I'm having the most trouble with is that I'm 41 years old, almost 42. And I've spent my entire life thinking that it's just meant to be this hard to live. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and um, taking back my power from outsourcing everything to MLMs to cure me um, and actually talking with professionals and getting the diagnosis has actually helped me a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I've learned to put a lot of things, I guess, in perspective to where like I hyper fixate on certain things. So I've taken a step back from like social mm-hmm. media and things like that just to help with this new diagnosis and that's also too like the the, sadly there still is a stigma with like medications like people don't want to take it or it's for cultural too you know oh you don't need it you're fine but sometimes we need it that's our brain we just need it and there's nothing wrong with that no and also too like you don't i just pointed out there too you don't have to tell your bosses or work or anybody that you're on medication that's for you right exactly you know um for me i almost wasn't going to share it but because of the fact that i do know that a lot of mlms especially beachbody for one tries to say that if you work out and eat healthy you can hurt you can get off your medications or whatever you know and for me that was a fault that i had for years and i think that it brings like harm 
mm-hmm. um, more harm than it did good, you know, because right. I still had that underlying feeling of why am I still like this? Why does my brain feel like this? You mm-hmm. know, um, because the pregnant for me doesn't look like I'm moping around and not, not for anybody that yeah. does, you know, but depression for me, doesn't look like, um, I'm laying in my bed for days on end and not able like, to really motivate myself to do anything. Depression for me is that I'm so hard on myself for things that I'm not getting done. Mm-hmm. I'm so hard on myself for not being at a certain point in my life. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm just hard on myself. I'm a worry ward, you know, mm-hmm. and it does come down to some days I do just lay in the bed all day, you know, mm-hmm. but some days you just need that break. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it can look different for everyone. Yeah. And um, anxiety for me too, it's a mixture of like the ADHD aspect where I am always anxious about everything. I mm-hmm. overthink everything, no matter what it is. I overthink it. And um, yeah, so it's been really freeing. Uh, it's been yeah. about two, two, three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure that I, I stated this on the podcast. We wanted people to understand that because for me, I was seeing things on TikTok and um People were like, you know, if you have ADHD, this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And people were joking about being diagnosed on social media. You know, I'm self-diagnosing. Yeah. And so I was trying to prevent myself from doing that. And I went to a psychotherapist and we were having the conversation. She did the whole checklist, mm-hmm. like asking me questions. Yeah. And um, it was like, at the end, she was like, you you definitely have ADHD. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh it's, it's, it's a given. it's very apparent but it helps though too for me getting diagnosed I can now look at my children and be like oh we need to get you mm-hmm. to talk to somebody because if I don't want you to spend the rest of your life like I did mm-hmm. you know and necessarily you don't have to be on medication you know that's come to you but right. for me it has made a world of difference you probably see definitely a difference. And also, I'll just share to self-disclose, you know, I'm a yeah. therapist and I'm on Zoloft too. I've been on it for eight years. Yeah. Uh, I take it, it balances me out and um, it's okay. Like, you know, yeah. I share that with, sometimes we can self-disclose. I share that with some of my clients because it's just the stigma. They're like, why do I have to be on meds? Like, I'm not yeah. strong enough. And then yeah. when you're like, well, even a professional, you'd be surprised if there's on it on meds like yeah we try to normalize like hey I'm on it I'm on it too it's yeah okay. yeah when she so I'm not on like the typical uh ADHD medication like Adderall or anything oh, um okay. we're as of right now we're just trying out to see if um so I'm on Wellbutrin and Zoloft together Okay. And what it does is, which you'll know because you're a therapist, you know, what it does is it just, it talents me out, you know? And if she said, we're going to try this for a couple months. And if I do need to be on an Adderall or whatever, that's just to help give me a bump, like help give me a little bit of a more focused Mm -hmm. type aspect, which honestly, the past month, I've only been on it for about three weeks. I, I will think that I might need that because this stuff chills me out really well like yeah. really well 
and able to just like, I feel like I can just breathe. Right. <laughs> and you know what too, like, I'm glad that you stuck through it. Like, uh, even though I'm not a doctor, but yeah. I see this a lot. And I tell my clients, you know, sometimes those medicines, not ADHD, they're a little bit different. They work like, yeah. fast, but yeah. like the antidepressants, like Zoloft and Wellbutrin, it may get worse before it gets better. Usually the yeah. two, weeks, two weeks, it's like your body's adjusting to it because yeah. you're changing some of the brain chemistries. And a lot yeah. of times people are like, after one week, they're like, I feel horrible. My anxiety's more increased, my depression. And, you know, I try to tell them, just try to stick it out yeah. for four weeks because your body will, will adjust. And if it doesn't work past the four weeks, you know, tell your provider yeah. and get on a medication that's right for you. Yeah. And, and I've noticed that, you know, I have noticed that it's, I'm not saying that it was instant from taking it, but I will tell you after not being on medication for years, or uh, I mean, I was on Lexapro at the beginning of the year. Yes. Lexapro by itself was not good for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I weaned myself off of it with the doctor. And that's when this came in, you know, mm -hmm. and I will say that it's just been it's been a very big breath of fresh air. I don't know if it's like the mixture of the medicine and actually knowing that I'm not crazy mm -hmm. or what it is, but <laughs> that, that has been a mix. But anyways, yeah. So. And also too, like you're, and which is great. Like you're on, you're also seeing a therapist. So any of those yeah. like fears are like with the Medicaid, you're going to address it and yeah. talk about it. And then it makes you feel even more better because medication and therapy work well together. Yes. Yes. I will say it does because I've before when I was on Lexapro, I mean, I've been to therapy, you know, don't get me wrong. And I'm highly a, a proponent for it. You know, um, I've been uh, a couple about it's been since 2020 that I actually have been seeing a therapist regularly. And so uh, when I was on Lexapro, I didn't see a therapist during it. I was just like, oh, well, this is how it's supposed to work until right. one day. I made a doctor's appointment and I was talking to my doctor and I was like, I'm on Lexapro, but this, this, and this is still happening. And I just don't feel right. like it's right. You know? And he was like, yeah, I think that you, he was the one, I think you need to go see a psychotherapist, a, a psychiatrist. And I think that you need to get checked for ADHD because mm -hmm. a lot of the symptoms that you're saying correlates with it. And he mm -hmm. said, and then that way they can get you into the right type of medicine. And then I'll just be here as another tool for you right. you know and so I do highly suggest it and I know I'm very privileged to be able to have access to these right. options you know I get it I I really do I've been to the point where I don't have the access to it mm -hmm. before you know but there are I have learned over and you can probably back this up or give more details there are options out there for people that don't have access to insurance and stuff like that. Right. Um, do you know where people could go if they don't have access to insurance? They can go on um, psychology today. You can like check off a that says like no insurance or offer sliding scale fee. And yeah. I just want to point out if um, like if there is a, for people who I highly encourage if you make the qualifications in your state, to get Medicaid, um, yeah. Medicaid has no co-pays for mental health. Okay. So, and it's actually great because, and a lot of the Medicaid, you can go unlimited with therapy. There's no yeah. co -pays. 
Okay. Okay. I'll make sure that I put that link. I think I got the link saved for your podcast anyway. Yes. So I'll make sure that I put the link or I think it's actually already in the description. Right. I've, I've put that in every description for right. podcasts since me and you have been yes. having these conversations. So and I'll reason, make sure to put it there. The reason why I say about the Medicaid, cause sometimes people think like, oh, I, I mean, if I check your state, yeah, the, the, the requirements, you know, cause you, especially if you're a family, you probably will qualify. Yeah. If, You'll be surprised. Yeah. And I have to say, it's like I said, no co-pays, at least with the two states that I was in, no co-pay, unlimited yeah. visits, and it, it, it worked well. Yeah. Oh, so, um, <laughs> welcome. You <laughs> know, after all that, like, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I'm really excited to have you back um, on the podcast. I know that you have a list of things that you want to talk yes. about. Um, and I'm going to just and let you start it off. Sure. So, yeah. For those who don't know or just listening, I'm Jacqueline. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I also got um, recently certified as a certified shame informed treatment specialist, oh, specializing wow. with disordered eating. Oh, <gasps> on that. It's not something you can just do, go up the street online. You have to have yeah. qualifications. You have to have like your master's degree. I think this can even do this in dietitians. And just a little bit about me, I've been doing this uh, as a licensed clinical therapist for seven years, working with different populations, anxiety, depression, ADHD, and yes, so I see people individually and couples therapy at the moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> Helping those marriages and couples. Oh, yeah. Together. Oh, yeah. There we go. In there an ethical go. way, in an ethical licensed way. <laughs> but right. the way I make that is like, that this certification again a life coach won't do it like yeah you have to have like certain qualifications then you have to submit it and you have to submit like your license because they're going to verify it that you're not lying yeah so oh. it was very interesting and even as a professional like i still you still want to learn more with the yeah. disordered eating so i know i'll just get into it i know we wanted to talk about like the cycle of abuse so it's in yeah. my notes here i wrote yes it's a lot so the cycle of abuse you go into the honeymoon phase period okay love bombing is there yeah. it's coming in um so love bombing is excessive flattery over communication of their feelings to you now this could be mlm wise or even like somebody yeah in your relationship friendship they're showering you with unwanted gifts and attention it's come like it's coming on so quick you're like and of course, naturally, you're flattered. You're like, oh, wow, I feel important. Sometimes this could, uh -huh. this could actually be uh, very helpful for people that are dating Correct. or, you know, mm -hmm. in a relationship. But also if if the listeners want to that, if the listeners have been in an MLM before, this mm -hmm. can also coincide with when you first get added to that group chat. And they put you in there and mm -hmm. everybody from the team starts pounding your comments saying, welcome, you know, exactly, exactly. Okay. Okay. As humans, we love, we accept, we, you know, it feels flattering. It's like, wow, I feel so great. This is so, such a great community or this is such a great individual. Is it a dopamine hit? Yes. Okay. You're getting it. It's like, oh, wow. And especially too, if you don't really have that in your personal life or like your, so your support, your closed circle, you're going to gravitate towards it. Yeah. 
So yeah. then it goes into the tension, the builds. So that's like whether with a partner or somebody, you know, or even in LMLMs, maybe criticism, yelling, coercion, anger, and that's where gaslighting happens. So yeah. gaslighting is they're making you feel like, like questioning yourself. Yeah. So for example, like I remember what you said to me. Well, I went to my coach and I told them I am working hard. I, I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. And then they give you those answers like, well, you're not working hard enough. That's gaslighting. Yeah. yeah. And then you're like, huh? Like what? Like, well, then you start. So maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm right. not working hard enough. Maybe I can, you know, instead of watching this Netflix show, I can be on my phone or reaching out to more people right. or doing it's those questions. It well, makes maybe I'm not messes with your mind because you're like well maybe again yeah maybe i didn't maybe i didn't a lot of phrases of gaslighting and you can actually gaslight yourself is, yeah you never said that you are being dramatic yes gaslighting terms so they're twisting or retelling events um they're they're insisting that you did things or said things that you never did what about if people call you uh, like so this is a very common thing, especially with what we do or what I do. Um, when they call us a hater and a troll, is that kind mm -hmm. of gaslighting us? Because yeah, if they it. say it enough, like I have started to think of, well, am I a hater? Am I a troll? Right. Like I've really thought that before. Like maybe I'm being too hard on these people, but then I'm like, that's why sometimes you'll see me come onto my stories and be like, Am I being a troll? Am I being like because you question yourself, right? And that's exactly it. They are gaslighting you in a way, and yeah. also to their, I would say probably a lot of projection onto you mm -hmm. and and other people. And it, like I said, and like but you saying questioning yourself, like, well, am I a hater? And this goes out to the anti MLM community if they have that thought, like, am I really a hater? That yeah. that's that's basically gaslighting. They're gaslighting you. So that's in that tension building phase. And then it goes into the explosion. So this could be attacks verbally, physically, emotionally, or sexually. Okay. And then it goes around back to the honeymoon phase. Oh, so, I mean, it's a trigger warning. Mm -hmm. So that is, that makes a lot of sense if you're in a abusive relationship because mm -hmm. the explosion happens. Correct. And that's when they come back around and they're like, showering you with gifts or whatever okay and they're apologizing but their apology is not like oh yeah. sincere it's like i'm sorry that but you did this to me so that's the way so, I so how would we relate that into an mlm like what would the explosion look like for, for in an mlm term it could be like the explosion like outcasting you a person, okay maybe not because selling enough Oh yeah, because you're not selling enough. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you and I remember that I, for me personally, when I was when I was hitting those numbers, I was being showered and loved and everything. Mm -hmm. And then whenever you're hitting those numbers, there was no response, no co right. correspondence between you and your coach. Because okay. remember, the explosion part can be emotional too. Yeah, it doesn't have to be physical or the sexual part. Okay. And so that could happen. And then it goes back to the honeymoon phase. Like oh. when, when if a person does sell or if you're being better, 
they go back into it. And that cycle keeps happening and happening and happening until yes. you break free or, or you get it. Wow. This is eye-opening because yep. it's, it's true. It's true. And cycles of it is. It's true for MLMs and personal likewise. Yeah. Like, relationships, family. So it's very interesting. And they're, the love bombing is, the it's very manipulative. These people are who are doing this or engaging in is very manipulative. They know yeah. how to work it. And is this something that you're I'm sorry, is this something that you like I, I I try to sit here and I'm like, okay, so every coach does this. They all do this. So how do they how do they become this person? It could be maybe part of their, I'd say a lot of their environmental factors growing up. Okay. Uh, like maybe a partly in genetics, you know, it depends. Um, it's part of it. A lot of it, I would say environmental. And okay. So if you're, if you're thinking about like, we'll say for Beachbody, cause I, I have, yeah. I understand that more than yes, anything. Me too. <laughs> you're saying about, um, if you're saying about Beachbody, it's a learned behavior. So it's passed down from coach to coach to coach mm -hmm. to coach. And wow. Because I, I mean, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. I, I mean, I was a coach, so I met people, you know, I've highlighted them because they, you know, I was gassing them up, trying mm -hmm. to love bomb them into thinking that they could actually be a coach in mm -hmm. my group, you know, and then if they didn't respond or whatever, then I would just go and try to find the next person. Mm -hmm. And so I intentionally wasn't ignoring them, but I needed to continue my, my business. Mm -hmm. That was the only way that I was going to make anything. Wow. So it is kind of like a behavior within the coaching community or beach body community or body, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it is passed down from coach to coach to coach mm -hmm. because you want to mimic what your upline is doing. Of course. Wow. And, and you know what, I was just actually just thinking this before we started, I had <laughs> thinking things in my mind. I, I think it's interesting. Again, they have that mindset piece. And I think yeah. that goes to the cycle of abuse because, you know, you go into the honeymoon, the tension, the explosion. And I want, I think they put that mind piece there because if you keep failing, it's showing like, well, what do you want us to do? We have the nutrition yeah. and the mindset. So it's you. Uh, and you're wow. like oh my gosh and you're like whoa and that's what I was thinking about I was like no wonder why they wanted to add that mind. I mean I believe that they added that mind yeah. besides yeah. wanting to keep everything in but I think it's still setting up people for failure like well what do you want us to do it's clearly we provided you everything right which I'll just point this out um I don't know if you saw um so they have a psych D on there for one of the mindset classes. So psych D is like, what? Like, I think a psych psychologist. Yeah. She, I looked at her. She is who she says she is. I, I think it's fine that they have that, but I'm surprised she's willing to talk about it. They're next talking about how to challenge those negative thoughts. And I'm like, which is, I'm happy that a psych D is doing it, but at the same time, it's like, okay, but like therapy is not one size okay. fits all. and this is my thing, though. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think I trust anybody with a license that is getting paid by an MLM. I, I just know, don't I think know. I trust it. 
No. You know, and because when you think about Alana, mm-hmm. she's a registered dietitian, but my goodness, she's problematic. Oh, you know, and so it's like, do we trust these people? Like, right. there are some MLMs that have doctors on their on their payroll. So, and I mean, just because you're a licensed anything professional doesn't necessarily mean that you're ethical. Right. And I was really surprised that somebody with her with this actual license was willing to do it. And yeah. like, I mean, I I just feel like it's kind of getting at a scope. I think. Yeah. I just think that's so problematic. And I think, and that's the problem though, because you just said it, therapy isn't a one size fit all, right? right? And what they're doing with their mindset piece, even though they have a psychiatrist on there, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to fit everyone. Mm -hmm. But in the beach body mind or body mind, it is going to help you. With their nutrition, it's a one size fit all. With their mindset, it's a one size fit all. With their workouts, it's a one size fit all. You know, even though they have a modifier, it's still a one size fit all. Correct. You know, and so. And that's where I'm seeing like that cycle of abuse. Like, yeah. we gave you all the tools, so it's still you. And then you still it's feel fault. bad about yourself. And you're like, what? Well, I don't, it must be me. I'm doing something wrong. I'll tell you, uh, um, when I was a coach, it was the four vital behaviors have you done your four vital behaviors have you filled out your tracking sheet have you done this you know and if you haven't I have a problem with checking off my calendar I create planners and still have problems doing my planner you know because that's just how my brain works so no and then you're a failure because you haven't checked off your stuff on your Mm -hmm. little sheet you know so wow yeah this is amazing this is really yes. I was like I wanted like I said you could fit it into your personal life and yeah. like lens and I should have pointed out earlier I'm not here to diagnose anybody or say this is happening I'm just providing that psychoeducation especially yeah. like um the two the the eating disorders like certain yeah. ones to talk about I'm not saying you have one it's just this is what we look for yeah um, okay did you want to go into the eating disorder? Because I'll do narcissism last because that one's a bigger one. Yeah, narcissism last because also <laughs> I want to pick your brain about Vanderpump rules. And I know people are, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh my God. I love Vanderpump rules. And you should have, obviously. And yes, I love it. part of my brand for some reason. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. Van- yeah. that, that's crazy. But so yeah. This- this is taken from the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health. This is what we use as clinicians. Okay. Because unfortunately, in the insurance world, or even no insurance, we, we have to put a diagnosis, diagnostic code, because okay. otherwise you can't get therapy. Yes. That's, that's another okay. But, so I'm going to talk about orthorexia. So orthorexia, it's not in the DSM-5, but we recognize it. We okay. can't diagnose anybody with orthorexia because it's not in the DSM-5, but we see the, the behavior. So that's what you may, <laughs> some people may be like, oh, I know. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see if we can figure out if, if <laughs> we're not diagnosing people, y'all, we're not diagnosing we're not. You, see, you might see some traits. <laughs> These are some traits. Okay. So obsession with healthy eating associated wow. restrictive behaviors, over-exercising. Engaging in emotional eating, 
your self-esteem is based on eating healthy foods. Hmm. You're critical, you're very critical and rigid about eating. You feel certain foods are dangerous or like bad. Yeah. You're feeling guilt or ashamed when unable to maintain diet standards. So that could be like you are traveling and can't find foods, Correct. certain foods. Correct. Or your obsession is you're always focused on food and working out. And like, that's part of it too. That it consumes your whole life. Yeah. But unfortunately, again, there's no diagnosis, but it's just, that's a behavior. And it falls, orthorexia is like with the disordered eating, mm-hmm. you know, because again, the disordered eating is dieting and restrictive eating, feeling guilty and confused on how to eat Yeah, <laughs> be with your weight and shape. You're depriving yourself physically and emotionally, mentally. So you break diet rules and you can either overeat or binge. And this is not going into, which we'll talk about, this is not going into binge eating disorder. Um, again, over supplementation. Wow. That's part of disordered eating and on the spectrum with, and like orthorexia because they, they're on that spectrum. And again, there's no diagnosis for disordered eating. It's just, we see the behaviors. So over supplementation is big. <laughs> so I do have a question. Yes. Um, I, so if you were to see somebody with these traits, what would you do? Like if they were my client? Yeah. We would definitely talk about it, address it. Um, I would definitely not judgmental because you want to have that rapport with the client and just really start to explore these behaviors and where do they stem from and where is it yeah. coming from? Because it's obviously coming from something. Okay. Would you suggest that they work with a registered dietitian? It depends. Along with right. It depends because they may get triggered at first with a registered dietitian. Um, I I mean, down the road, I would suggest it, but I would say first, let's tackle. I mean, this is what I I would do because I don't want because they can get people can get triggered by talking about the food, and you don't want them to go into that obsession. Which, by the way, diet registered dietitians are great. Um, I actually just started seeing one, and yeah. I just wanted to point out I was very scared that there she was going to judge me, but she didn't. We didn't even yeah. actually talk about food. We actually talked about sleep, which yeah, works with it. Yeah, so I, just I to share that. <laughs> I agree. I actually started seeing a registered dietitian as well, and um, one of the reasons it took me over a year to go see one is because I was worried about getting triggered about. I'm going to say it because I can say it to myself. I can, I'm diagnosed. I have diagnosed with disordered eating yeah. um, and borderline orthorexia when I was in Beachbody. Right. Um, but when I, I didn't start to see a registered dietitian, I tried to see one as soon as I left Beachbody mm-hmm. and it triggered me. Yeah. And so I was like, nope. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to worry about therapy. I'm going to worry about all that. And then right when I started seeing the therapist, I was, you know what? I'm ready to see a registered dietitian because I also want to get that worked out. So uh, the first meeting, you're right. It's really not even about food. He did he did ask me a couple questions about like my diet or whatever yeah, and what my thoughts were mm-hmm. uh, around certain foods. But my first focus, and this could help a lot of people 
really feel at ease, you have to make sure you get the right registered dietitian. Yes. You have to make sure that you also are ready to see one. It did trigger me right, right. after speech body. Right. Um, and that's what I was saying. Like if, if that's what right off the bat, like I yeah. wouldn't recommend the dietitian because it, it could be triggering, but I think that's great if you want to take some space, like yeah. pause and start therapy. And I think it's great if you, when you decide you're ready, because you don't yeah. want to get triggered. And yeah. yeah, like I said, and, and I'm not going to lie. I was nervous. I was like, oh God, me too. Tell me all this. But it was actually really good. Like they were like, <laughs> we're talking about it. Let's talk we, about it. Yeah. The only, the one thing that we're focusing on, and I've already had my second meeting with him. Um, the one, the two, the one thing that we're focusing on the first two weeks was just eat two meals a day. How sad is that? Um, no, you're not sad at all because they but told do you see what I'm saying? Um, and that's what, and when I saw him again, um, this past week, we, he was like, do you want to add anything extra in or do you, do you want to just try to do what you've been doing? You know? And I was like, for me, I know that if I add anything extra in, I'm going to trigger myself. And I, I just want to be able to get this solidified first. Mm -hmm. And so it's the mindset, the mind, I'm going to say it, the mind fuck of having to worry about if you're eating two meals a day. Oh yeah. Why, why is this? Because I have been for the past eight years eating one meal a day and working my butt off to work mm -hmm. out. Right. Right. Or I would overeat and then work out even more to work off the calories that I overate. Correct. And overeating for me is eating three meals a day. How sad is that? It's no. crazy. It's, you know what though? It, it's not. So many people are the same way. I know. And that's what I'm saying. I thought the, the dietitian was just like for us, like, all right, let's focus on sleep. Like they're asking me like, same thing, like as yours, do you want to, how do you, are you start off small or what do you yeah. think? Like, they're very, and they're very much like whatever you feel comfortable. And they're like, Okay, they're like, yeah, start up small, um, maybe eat breakfast. And they keep, she kept telling me, if you not, if you don't maintain it, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Not the end of the world. Start yeah. off small, like get your sin. And then they even said it too. They're like, oh, next week we'll just talk like in a few months, we'll talk about what foods you like. Like it was very yeah. eye opening. Cause I was like, wow, I thought I was going to get yelled at or something. Yeah. Or made feel bad because right. you don't eat correctly. You right. know, no, they weren't. And um, the one thing that I did tell him, um, and this was part of the intake, is I have a very, very disordered relationship with vegetables because mm -hmm. I used to make myself eat vegetable. Like I would make a puff or spaghetti and I would have to make myself a certain pasta because right. I couldn't eat a regular spaghetti. So I would make sure that I got the cauliflower um, pasta. So I would add in vegetables and I don't even like it. <laughs> Like, but I would right, make right. sure that I, you know, ate it, or I would always make sure that I had some type of vegetables throughout my whole entire meal because mm -hmm. that's what I was made to do. Right. And he was just like, "Nope, I just need two meals a day. That's right. it." Okay. And the point is, it's like, and it's just we're sharing it with people. Like, I, it can be scary, especially if you have. But if you get the right dietitian, yeah, it's like really great. Like, I felt great after. I was like. Wow, I didn't feel judged. I thought I was gonna be like, "What are you doing wrong?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
It was it was very eye opening. Yes, I do. Um, agree. And I will I will welcome anybody to come into my DMs and ask me who my registered dietitian is. Um, and I'll share I'll share him with you because he's actually helping a whole lot of us um, that are former Beachbody <laughs> coaches. <laughs> so <laughs> he he will be very he's very understanding and he knows mm, exactly right, right. What, what's going on. So mm -hmm. yeah. So disordered eating and orthorexia. Those they're are clinical. They're not clinical. In why do you think that? Why do you think they're not clinical? We don't know, actually. It's still kind of, we, but we recognize it. But I can't give a full diagnosis like your, like orthorexia to bill to the insurance. Yeah. The insurance. It what about anorexia? Like the other eating disorders? Yes. So we're gonna, yeah. So I'm going to, there's a lot more eating disorders, but I, I feel like what's uh, the ones that come up a lot on your podcast or in general? Yeah. Like, binge yeah. eating disorder, body dysmorphia disorder, and anorexia. Yeah. Yeah. So those are clinical. These are in the DSM-5. We can, I can, we can give you the diagnosis. Again, I bring up the insurance because that's what it's billable. Yeah. Um, so anorexia, you have to have three months of symptoms for diagnosis, right? So okay. that symptoms of like restrictive eating, you're not eating, or you're eating under 500 calories or less, look Clint, like physically you have low body yeah intense fear of gaining weight even though you are underweight what about people that are in a bigger body that's gonna go into something else okay <laughs> so that's um so that's what the dsm recognizes that's what we have to see three months of symptoms um again low body weight like you could physically see their low body weight yeah having that intense fear of weight, like gaining weight, even though they're physically underweight. So that leads into the binge eating disorder. So this yeah. one is very hard to diagnose in a way and actually like tell because these are people with the average normal size, either yeah. normal size, quote unquote, overweight or obese. It's, it's interesting. Because where sometimes, like, un unfortunately, with anorexia, you know, you can spot it. Like, yeah, sure, you saw it. Maybe some people looking like that. I had somebody in household that had it. I, yes. And I'm not, I, it's not me just diagnosing them. I, right. you, you saw it. No. You saw it. Yeah. Malnourished. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the binge eating is very difficult because, like I said, you can't tell. And so pretty much with binge eating, it's recurrent and persistent episodes of binging. So you have to have, for us to diagnose it, you have to have three or more of the following symptoms for at least three months. So it's like that three month pattern we have. So you're eating more rapidly than normal. You're eating until you feel uncontrollably full, okay? But you're not purging. That's the biggest difference. Because mm -hmm. if you're purging, that's going into bulimia. Yeah. So people with binge eating, you're not purging. You're just eating so like, so you feel so full. Yeah. You're eating large amounts of foods when you're not physically hungry. You're eating alone because you're asked by how much you're eating. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is, oh, you feel disgusted with one with yourself, either depressed, very guilty, overeating. So this is three months and this keeps reoccurring one at least one times a week or more. Okay. So 
a lot of this, and this is what like part of my training I learned, even with anorexia too, because sometimes there's that stigma. Oh, you can just control it. Oh, yeah. it's it's they it's they want to be thin. Mm, it starts off as a weight and diet thing, like you want that, but ultimately in the end it doesn't. Like you yeah. you're losing control. And it's no more no longer about being diet or weight. It's something that you can't control. It's like a cope. It's a negative coping skill. Mm -hmm. So some people think like, oh, just, oh, it's, oh, that's, they're, you know, they have an, because they want to lose weight. It's like, but yeah, but that ends up in eating. Yeah, it starts out like that, but down the road, it's not about the right. losing weight anymore. It's just, that's a coping skill. And, you, and it's, it's like an addiction. You can't stop. Yeah. It's hard. So you may have seen that the binge eating is very, and actually a lot of people have it, but because it's such a hard like to diagnose it, it's kind of, it's underdiagnosed. Yeah. So like the thing with binge eating versus emotional eating, let's engage in it, that's okay. Emotional eating is short term, like for a week, two weeks, you know, yeah. said, oh, I'm going to have this whole thing of ice cream or whatever. Yeah. But Binge eating is it's going on way longer for over three months. So what about people that we see um, in Beachbody talk about they're restricting all during the week and then mm -hmm. on the weekend, they're like going ham, going crazy. That be a form of binging? Correct. Okay. In my clinical opinion, yes. Yes. Okay. And I think even too, some dietitians would agree too. Yeah. Okay. So that's part of the binging because you're, you're restricting yourself so much. You're going to over and not overeat. It's just, you're going to eat until you're so full uncontrolled. Or you're just going to uncontrollably, because for me, I know that when I was with, when, uh, during the week, I was always on point, on point, on right. point. And then on the weekends, I was on alcohol, mm -hmm. food, like I would just be like, and it's not the fact that I would eat until I felt full. It would just be like, I would eat everything that I wasn't allowed to eat during the week. Correct. Correct. And there was no problem eating three meals a day because I was eating all of the food in on Saturday mm -hmm. and Sunday and turning around and restarting on Monday. And that further introduces the shame. It's like, why, like, why am I doing this? It goes into that shame circle. like. Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday day, and then Friday mm -hmm. night, the alcohol comes out, the food comes out, you know, my husband even says it whenever he goes to like 7-Eleven late night, we're watching a movie or something and we want a snack and he goes to 7-Eleven to get a snack. He's like, you want your nachos? Right. And I'm like, actually, no. Now I'm like, no, I don't want right, nachos right. at 11 o'clock at night. But before, I was like, yes, give you're me the restricting nachos. You're yeah. restricting yourself. And then you're like, you're going to be those people want nachos from 7-Eleven at 11 o'clock at night, you know. But for me, right. I know that it's like, and I even talked to my registered dietitian about this. The other night, he went to the store. We were watching TV. He went to the store to get chocolate. He wanted chocolate. And. He brought me back a Snickers with peanut butter and I love those things. And mm -hmm. I was like, I thought to myself, I'm like, I really don't want this. So I set it on my desk and I had it the next day. That has never happened. It was not the fact that 
I didn't want it because I was scared. Mm-hmm. It's I was like, do I want this? No, I don't. But I was like, thank you for getting that for me. I'll eat it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I ate it the next day. But mm-hmm. before I would have ate that and whatever chocolate he brought home. Right. You know? You're not restricting yourself. Yeah. It's like, you're like, eh, I don't. Because like when you restrict yourself, it's you're going into that like all or nothing thinking. I got to eat all yeah. this. Or, or it's going to be gone. Or I'm not going to mm-hmm. be able to have it. Right, right. So sad. It yeah. is. It is. And the last, so this one, so body dysmorphic disorder, that's actually not in under the eating disorders. It's in the it's under like the OCD portion of the that's DSM. weird. Right. And you'll see why. So body dysmorphic disorder or BDD. So yeah. it's a preoccupation with one or more perceived defect or flaw that you think in a physical, in your physical appearance that are not observably noticeable or appear to other people. I, I can see that. I have, I'm not, I'm not diagnosing myself. I'm not (laughs) doing it, but I can tell you that for me, my stomach is my biggest issue. And my Mm -hmm. husband's like, really? Right. And everybody else is like, really? (laughs) You, everybody has, yeah, I can see that, but I'm not diagnosing myself, but I can, I can understand Mm -hmm. you have that one and more people than than most. Oh yeah, of course. Yes. Especially in today's society. Yeah. How diet culture is. So with that, you have repetitive behavior. You are mirror checking, you are skin picking, you're comparing your appearance to others. You're clinically in distress or impairment at your work setting. Like sometimes it can get so bad. You don't want to leave the house. Yeah. Because you're so focused that they're going to notice, like, I'm just saying, for example, my nose, I don't like yeah. it big, but to others, they may not notice that. Yeah. So for that, it's one month for a diagnosis. You have to have the, display this behavior for one month. So what would people do does that go hand in hand with anything else or is it just something that people have like what would they do how would you how would you work on that it with goes, body dysmorphia it goes with it basically goes with like you know anxiety and um other mental health disorders so with that with that with i would basically work on like self-compassion yeah start okay. there mindfulness being aware of your body or you know starting with that being because a lot of times with these disorders with the eating clinical eating disorders and like bdd there's no self-compassion yeah and maybe addressing some trauma because a lot there's a lot of trauma with that and all you suggest i mean because social media is such a big thing these days um would you suggest people detoxing from certain things on social media i i I would because so many people photoshop and social media it's good and bad because you know everybody's gonna make themselves have the perfect life on social media it's gonna show sadness and that creates feeling low self-esteem and guilty yeah i I, and i say that because uh to my therapist uh about a lot of things one of the things that she asked me to try was a social media detox from certain things. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, once I 
one of the things that I want people to understand is when you are in hustle culture, which I consider being in an MLM hustle culture, because you don't show up on social media, your business is not running. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I directly out, out of Beachbody for the past year, I've shown up on social media every single day. Mm -hmm. I've posted in my stories, tried to post at least three to four times a week in my, on my Instagram. Like I was still in hustle culture. And then also a lot of these things that you're talking about, I was watching those coaches, especially Autumn triggers me more than anybody mm -hmm. on earth, mm -hmm. um, was starting to really make me have a negative mindset about my, mm -hmm. my progress, my journey, everything. And so she told me, she was like, I want you to try it for a week, for a week, detox from social media. You can still go on there, but only share things that bring you, that you're interested, like that mm -hmm. bring you joy or that is not related mm -hmm. to this. That's why a lot of people have probably seen that I've posted a lot of Vanderpump Rules stuff. Yeah. Because I'm like, this is not Beachbody. And the reason I can't be is because for me, I have got to detox away from it. You mm -hmm. know, it's watching especially trying to work on my own relationship with food and my own relationship with my body watching autumn's things really does trigger mm -hmm. me and so i have to be very careful about the things i watch and the things i see because i will find myself back into that of disordered eating and everything else mm -hmm. that i've been trying to work right. so hard against right um yeah. And to know that, you know, there are clinical ways to be able to yes. get treated for these, that's good. You know, how do you think that we can go about getting the disordered eating and the orthorexia recognized by the board or it's why is it not? We still to this day have no idea. Like the board is very like DS, the DSM is very um, strict. Yeah. Like in the back pages, but it's not a diagnosis. And I'm not, I'm not even sure till this day why we can't get it. It's very like a lot, a lot of us clinicians, unless somebody other another clinician knows, we yeah. don't know why they won't they won't do it. We don't know why. Do you learn about it in school? Like when you're going to college for this? Like, do they teach you about it? No. That's so sad. Really sad. And if so, if you don't go out and take this additional certification. Your therapist might not know the signs or might right. not know. Wow. It's very, yeah, it's. So that would make people want to make sure that when they're talking to a therapist or they're trying to locate one, maybe ask them, are you familiar with disordered eating or orthorexia or, you know, eating disorders and stuff like that? Because you do have to be your own advocate and make right. sure yes. that you're going to the right person for your for your therapy and you know what too i just want to point out yes i would definitely say that and don't ever feel ashamed or that they're gonna the therapist is gonna get mad we yeah. won't you know we're just they'll, they'll be happy to say it they'll they'll be happy and you know they will not get mad and if they feel hey you really want that you know i'm not really too specialized and i can refer you out yeah yeah professional get mad it's just more like yeah, like talk to us about it, you know? Yeah. And that's actually being a good therapist. If like the therapist says, hey, I know it's not one of my specialties, but I know somebody who is, I can refer you. 
So yes, definitely advocating for yourself. You want to feel comfortable with your therapist and ask them questions. Like I always tell my client, like when I'm doing an assignment, like you have any questions for me? Like, yeah, you guys want questions. Of course. I want questions. Like I want to make you feel comfortable. Yeah. So that's what I would recommend. Like, and don't feel nervous or like upset. Like, oh, they're going to get mad at me. We won't. We won't. Yeah. So I I really like that you touched on this. Um, Is there anything else that you wanted to share before we move on to narcissists? Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So the reason why I bring up these, like the orthorexia, the disordered eating and anorexia and binge eating is for psychoeducation purposes. And also too, so if if a lot of people have risk factor for these, right? If they're predisposed to it or they're already experiencing this and then the MLM comes along yes, and they are going on the vulnerabilities. You know, if you already have low self-esteem feeling like this, you have these risk factors, they're going to play on these vulnerabilities yes. and then it's going to make you want to join more. So like, for example, actually one of my um former coworkers, she's a licensed clinical social worker too. She's like, I'm half going after being funny. And you know, she's yeah. like, I'm tired of the life coaches being therapists. But anyway, she actually told me, she goes, you know what? After I had my child, she goes, they stalked me. Yeah. Yep. And they actually said to her, well, you want to, don't you want to lose that baby weight right after she gave birth? Yeah. And she said, go step yourself. <laughs> yeah. Good for her. Yeah. So she like, they're, they, they will, they will target those vulnerabilities of maybe move, you feel alone, you know, you already have health like distorted imaging they'll they will go on to that so that's the reason why i bring that these this up because if you're already at risk it you know it's basically saying it's not your fault like you're just it's not your fault at all it's like they're playing on your vulnerabilities yeah a lot of the people that i've interviewed on the podcast you know i always ask them there's some point in their life or there's some past um, they're usually the people that just had babies or in the military, uh, feeling alone because, yeah. you know, they're moving. Um, myself, I, I've had disordered eating issues since I was 14. Right. And you may, you may have noticed like, oh, these behaviors are maybe weird, but like, you didn't think like, oh, whatever. It's yeah. just this how it is. Yeah. Or body dysmorphia, honestly, because. The little boy told me that my legs were too big. Um, I used to go roller skate. I was a roller skater. Mm-hmm. And he told me my thighs were too big to wear shorts in. So that's what mm-hmm. triggered me to only eat one meal a day. Um, and that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've been eating one meal a day pretty much every day since I, or since I was uh, 14. And then the only time that I can ever remember that I ate and did not care about anything was when I was pregnant with both my children because I was worried about making sure they were right. they were okay. And so when you think about that, it's like so you're wor- you can make sure everyone else is okay, but yourself mm-hmm. you're not worried about, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you're right, people do and it's so problematic if they get especially Beachbody or Octavia, any of the health and wellness MLMs. And I'm sorry, but, and I know that I go hard for Beachbody, but I think it's the worst because mm-hmm. it encompasses that out. It encompasses the health and mindset. It encompasses the food. And even though there's a registered dietitian, she is promoting this 
ordered eating. Yes. 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 <laughs> like, you weigh yourself every day to make sure that what you ate the day before didn't cause you to gain a weight. And if it did cause you to gain weight, then you tracked it and know what you ate so you don't eat again right yep that that's crazy and like my dietitian was like it's my dietitian said to me don't don't weigh yourself like yeah don't even look try not like they said like if you weighed yourself it's it's okay you know she was very great yeah. with it like it's don't get mad if you weigh yourself but she was very much like don't weigh yourself like don't because it's triggering correct mm -hmm. i mean your body goes through different phases and this is not a hormone thing or anything. I mean, whatever, I'm a doctor or professional, but I know for myself, during the month, my body goes through different phases. I always know when I'm getting ready to, for that time of the month because I feel bloated, yeah. you know, and ugh, is, is how I feel, right? But if I was to weigh myself during that time, I would get completely down on myself because of course you're going to gain weight. You're getting ready right, to yeah. have <laughs> your period, for God's sake, yeah. you know, like, so, yeah, yeah. But that's what I said. That's what I was saying. Like, I'm not, again, I want to point, I'm not saying no, anybody's anorexic anorexic yeah. or has B, uh, binge eating disorder or BDD or disordered eating. But if you have some of these symptoms, like take notice, like before you joined like Beachbody or well, I would say Beachbody because that's the ones I yeah. know, like that you, if you displayed some of these behaviors, and then you join. Yeah. And, how, and, and it makes it more of a risk factor to join because they're going on your vulnerabilities and they're very good with that. Yeah. And it's also reassuring to people that do have issues with disordered eating or any type of eating disorder because um, you get this meal plan and it's okay to only eat 1200 calories. Right. It's like reassuring. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like, reassuring you it's okay to have a disorder and an eating right. disorder right. you know here it is here we mm -hmm. sell it to you yep, you know exactly. it's like validating you like oh this is yeah this is, I'm, I'm, this is this is normal this is fine this is great, this right. is great. Mm -hmm. yeah wow <laughs> wow all right let's we're talk about to, it we're going on to narcissism That's one. everybody loves narcissism okay everyone this is the thing we're going to be relaying narcissism and we're going to talk about Vanderpump rules. I have not talked oh, about yeah, it. Oh, perfect. Podcast. That's a perfect example. <laughs> example. So everyone who does not understand Vanderpump rules, if you've been living under a rock, um, <laughs> is a show on Bravo. And recently there has been this thing called Sandoval, where Tom Sandoval cheated on his life partner, Ariana, of nine, of nine years with her very good friend Raquel Rachel I'll be calling her Rachel because yes. <laughs> yes. her real name is Rachel um and the way that I would like to uh explain this to people that may not understand how traumatic and wrong it is um imagine if we're going to use the friends reference so imagine if Chandler was cheating on Monica with Rachel behind um and Joey knew the entire time that's how bad this is mm -hmm. so a lot of people have been calling uh sandoval tom sandoval a narcissist yeah what are the signs that we need to look for okay. and yeah so 
there, there's a difference between narcissist, narcissistic behavior and actually being clinically diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. So okay. actually some form of narcissistic traits are healthy to a certain degree, actually, you know, okay. where they don't impact your life. So some narcissistic behaviors are like, you know, you can live with them. It's like, they only come on evidence, like every once in a while, you know, again, these can be healthy, but you'll see some narcissistic behaviors. They're not taking over your life. Now, narcissistic personality disorder, clinically, you have to have persistent symptoms that significantly impact your life within the course of six months. Okay. So what are the behaviors that, so you, that behaviors, everybody has, basically? Yes, correct. Okay. To a healthy degree. So for us, for, for I'm going to call it narcissistic personality disorder, NPD, we have to see five, at least five criteria, five symptoms in six months. So grand, grandiosity or a sense of importance, importantness, fantasies oh, okay. about power and success, limited insight, a sense of entitlement, constant need for peace and admiration, huh. limited or poor empathy. I also want to point out, so this is interesting, we could use this, I, I don't know which one Tom uh, Sandoval would be. There uh -huh. is, I want to address, there's covert and overt narcissism. Did you ever hear about okay. that? Uh-uh. Okay. So overt is the easy one. You can spot it, anybody can spot it right off the bat. They display high levels of self-esteem, uh, they're exaggerating their abilities, their talents, their compliments. I mean, their their accomplishments, they lack empathy, exploit others. You can see that right off the bat. Like, okay. as a person, you probably, maybe in your life, you've probably seen somebody like that. That's overt narcissism. The one that is very dangerous is covert. Because covert, covert is, they don't have those, they don't act like that. They fly under the radar. Uh -huh. They're passive passive aggression, they can blame and, and shame, emotionally neglectful, creating confusion and manipulation. They're very superficial. They have superficial charm. That's part of the issue. Mm. You can't tell. You can't tell versus more. Oh. You're like, oh my God, this person has narcissism. Like they're out there in the world. That's completely Sandoval. Come on now. He can be both look at me type person that he's been the entire ventilator pump rules. Right. I know. He could have a little covert too. Yeah. Because he does try to hide it. So, and that's the thing, because they come off as extreme sensitivity. They don't, they don't come off. They, you know, ver an overt is like, again, you can tell you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and again, they have no empathy. And the reason why covert narcissism is so hard to detect because of their manipulation skills, they are oh. so good at fooling people that like they are like experts at it. They make themselves like, they basically manipulate the people around them who are like, if they're covert, they're manipulating the people to make them feel bad for them. And it confuses them because wow. you're that's not a narcissist. Cause you're, cause you know, typically people think overt is not like, you know, they're, oh, they're displaying it. They're so good at it. Wow. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know which one, but I can think of some Beachbody coaches that fit those. Yes, correct. Correct. You might have seen some of that in the MLMs. 
Um, yes, I can think of some of them. Narcissists, but the thing is, narcissists, um, NPD. So here's the thing, we don't get a lot of people who have NPD coming to therapy because- Of course, because they're- and with personality disorders, I think what I mean, a good clinician, we don't diagnose it right off the bat because they're, it's a, it's a very, any of the personality disorders like narcissism, maybe if you heard a borderline personality, mm-hmm. we don't diagnose right off the bat because it's their personality. And these are hard diagnoses that we have to really, really see. So, and that's why it makes it so hard. Like, it's very important that people don't just throw around the word narcissist because of the fact that it is very hard to diagnose. I mean, people can use traits and not technically be a narcissist. Yes. So we could see, you know, if we're using Tom Sandoval, he is a horrible, horrible person, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a narcissist. Correct. He's displaying narcissistic traits or tendencies. Yeah, he's just, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's a narcissist. Same thing with the the beach body coaches. They're just, just, the personality disorder, it's it's very hard. I I, I never diagnose anybody with a personality disorder right off the bat. Like I, I remember I had one client, I was seeing them for a year and I finally diagnosed the personality disorder. Yeah. It's very, it's tricky because it's part of the personality. Personality disorders in general are very hard to treat because yeah. there's no medication for them. Yeah, I mean, because it's pretty much mm-hmm. in your... Yes. It's you. Yes, correct. Right. It's your personality. It's like you can't really just give people medication to fix them right. because correct. that's who they are. Yes. So how would they go about like getting treatment? Would they have to make sure that they're seeing a a therapist for like basically the rest of their life would medication help them so specifically with npd um you have to reckon they have to recognize it and starting early as a child is or a teenager is much better but that's yeah. the reason why the npd people they never come in because they have a problem do you, or mm-hmm. do you think that um they are they think too highly of themselves that's why they don't think they have a problem or is it just because it's just the way they've always been they 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 could have a portion of it that they think too highly of themselves but also too if they do come in they're very good at manipulating the therapist so you have to have a really trained therapist right correct they're very good at it well i mean (laughs) people are gonna think i'm crazy because i'm making i'm making relations to this i watch a lot of serial killer documentaries Mm -hmm. and i i see um a lot of personality traits that they have you know and one of them and it's the co-ed killer um Mm -hmm. he was the one who went in uh i can't remember exactly his whole backstory but his mom worked at this at this college and he went and he was killing people, women off of the college campus. But one of the things about him was he was able, so the he killed his, his grandparents when he was younger. And um, he ended up going to a mental hospital. Um, and while he was in the mental hospital, he was able to manipulate the therapist and the psychiatrist into believing that he was being healed and he then was able to give these different like tests and treatments and talks to other people that were also patients 
And so he was able to manipulate them to believe that he would be okay if they let him out. They're very smart. And he got out and then ended up becoming a serial killer. (laughs) And and, um, usually, um, I mean, I know this is going into like different personality disorders. Usually I watch true true crime too. A lot of the uh, serial killers um, they are, they have antisocial personality disorder. So yeah. that's not like you don't want to talk to people because some people oh, think okay. it's not. Basically the signs and symptoms are, so how it develops is it starts off as, as a child, oppositional defiant disorder. I don't know if you uh-huh. heard of that. Uh-uh. So basically these are like your, your, your children, your kids who do not like authority, get in trouble. They could uh, trigger warning they could be killing animals okay um then as they get into a little bit older teenage stage they're going into conduct disorder it's getting more worse they're like okay. those behaviors then it goes into antisocial that's the adults so there's no remorse no empathy manipulation um, yeah yeah that's that's what i that's what how it goes why do you think uh, and i'm gonna gonna ask you this because sometimes i think that maybe i'm crazy do you why do you think we are so obsessed with true crime and serial killer documentaries now. Like that is literally all I watch that or trash TV. <laughs> it, it's very interesting. Maybe like just maybe a part of it is like to get inside the mind, like not like to be like, they just be like, what were you thinking? Like that, what is going that's on like, in your mind? Yes. For me, it's, uh, it is, uh, I, with serial killers, I'm just like some of them, especially like Jeffrey, he, blows my mind because it's like he was just it was almost like he didn't have the normal upbringing as the rest of them mm-hmm. there were signs I think when he was when he was younger because he would do like the the taxidermy stuff with his dad yes, yes. with like the roadkill and stuff but still it's like you know he had a good father he it, it, I don't know he just for him I was just like wow. I didn't expect it, you know, right, but then right. you have like the co-ed killer who killed his grandparents when he was 15. So, okay. And he was right. treated horribly by his mother um, growing up. That's why he was living with his grandparents is because he, his mom would put him in the basement and make him sleep on a mattress right. and everything and treated him horribly. So it's like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. You know, like he was abused when he was younger, you know, yeah. but other people and it is right like it is I just want to get in their mind and be like wow what made you what was that switch right, where you were correct. just like and like wow. also too like because this you know what's happening in the world it's very scary in this world right now like just to yeah. let me recognize these signs let me be aware of it yes I mean these these aren't like clinical terms in the DSM-5 but like so so sociopath and a so how I would compare a, so, a psychopath to me is Charles Manson. He looks, yeah. like, he has that look. Yeah. Psycho. To me, a sociopath, which is, they are a little bit more interesting. Um, they To me, it's like, if you heard, well, I'm sure you heard Ted Bundy. Yeah. Because your sociopath is like, they're good looking. They're not yeah. what you're thinking. They're charming versus like, I mean, Charles Manson is all over the yeah. place, in my opinion. So that's social path. Or the B two the B two K killer. The B two K killer was just a regular dad 
worked at a college, mm-hmm. but in the in other news, he was binding, torturing, and killing families and people. And yeah, well, what about that one on Netflix? The one that um really that I don't know if you do you have Netflix? Yeah, the one that was such a good one. They were the family in Denver, and he killed the wife and the two kids. He was like that. Uh, he was he was not bad looking. He was like attractive looking. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's it is very hard. My husband had to take a break. Like he was like yeah. after it. Oh my god, I forget his name. I gotta look at it. The Denver. The Denver killer. Oh my god, where is it? No, not that one. Here it is. Um, Chris Watts. Oh <gasps> yes. 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 Actually, you know, yeah, into it more. That one was really, but a lot of these like serial killers, they 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 do have like narcissistic personality. I would say clinically and antisocial mm-hmm. behavior. Um, clinically, I would say. So Tom Sandoval's not a serial killer. He's just a horrible person. Yes, and displays highly narcissistic behavior and traits. <laughs> so we have diagnosed. We have not diagnosed him. We just be on the lookout. Follow. Be on the lookout yeah. for Tom right. <laughs> And the thing too is like, and like, and like, you'll see some of the behaviors with MLMs coming. Yeah. Out. You know oh, the nar- narcissistic traits. Since we're talking about those narcissistic, narcissistic traits, so let's let's talk about this. Like, I've had, I'm a little weird when it comes to certain things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Especially with the reunion that just happened on Wednesday, and oh. they were so <laughs> yeah, and. I kind of, I know I might get canceled for this. I kind of felt bad for Tom. Really? I, and I don't, I mean, uh, I'm not, I'm just going to say like a little smidge. The midge, because he did start crying. Is that something that they can do on cue? They can. Okay. They can. And when he started crying and he couldn't get it, like, I just, I, I know he did a horrible thing. I'm the first person to say it, right? But yeah. I just felt like, and I think this is why Lisa was taken up for him a little bit, is because mm-hmm. she felt like everybody was, and, and it's going to happen. Everybody yeah. was hanging up because it is so hard because what people don't understand when it comes to Vanderpump Rules is, like, I talk about them like I know them all. But anyways, they're all okay, friends. They're all friends in real life. They are. They are. And that's why it's such a big deal. Because he didn't just betray Ariana. He betrayed all of his friends, the whole group. So And and I think too, like maybe maybe like I'm not like I mean I knew people were gonna attack him, but like, you know, with James, you know how he gets like I guess yeah. like maybe you want maybe people wanted to hear like more of his B, like yes. Tom's BS, what he's gonna say. Yeah, like, I think that's what it was for me because I was just like, there was, I knew there was gonna be an explosion. I knew there'd be like a lot of, you know, whatever with them. But 
from, I also just felt, I, I feel bad for people. And I don't know if it's because I'm empathetic, but I do. Like, I feel bad for people that do bad things and get backlash. And mm -hmm. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's even a smidgen of me that feels bad for, like, people that are in MLMs, you know? Like, when I see Ashley Molstead crying because her friends are on a trip and she was never invited, you know? I feel bad for her, right? Mm -hmm. But And I don't know. I'm just, I feel bad for people that are in bad situations, mm -hmm. even if they did get themselves. Like, yeah. Maybe, like, distance yourself a little bit and be like, all right, I, I like human to human. Like I, I get that. Like I, yeah. understand. I get, and I get the whole entire like backlash right now because the world is so heavy. And I think this is why it's been such a big deal for Scandaval. The world is so heavy that this right here has to get our mind off of something else. Yes. And everybody has a common goal. Everybody agrees that Tom Sandoval is a jerk, right? Oh, so yeah. And then I think it's interesting too, with his narcissistic traits, yeah. He, they they did that flashback, like some of the things he said to Ariana to with Chris. Yes. I'm, like, I'm like, whoa! I was like, it's the same. The whole, the whole other thing too is, and I'm sure we'll do. And then Rachel over there, like smiling. She, like, I think she's a psychopath. Yeah, you're so, <laughs> I, I I concur. She has no remorse whatsoever. Well, you know what? I think she really has low self-esteem and I do agree. Did Lala say this? But I do agree with what Lala said. She codependency and she relies on yes. um, her work with a man. Yeah. Well, did yeah. you hear the latest thing? Apparently her parents filed the FBI press. I was like, yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, and I, I, I can almost feel sorry for the, for Rachel for this because yeah. it's like, she is, I, I mean, I can only imagine right what she's getting right now you know i mean because just because people i mean for us like i share reels all day i go on tiktok my tiktok is nothing but vanderpump rules right now um my for you page is nothing but vanderpump rules and mm. so i can only she can't leave it she can't escape it she's part of it right. and then people can be very mean on the internet you know and there are a lot of people don't have empathy. I mean, I'm not going to reach out to Rochelle, Rachel and tell her that she needs to go jump no. off a cliff or something, right, you no. know, because that's ridiculous. Right. And that, um, is, that is kind of long. Like you shouldn't. Yeah. Death threats no one, and things like that is, they don't deserve that. Yes. They really correct. don't. Like, I'm not saying their behavior is definitely the best, but they don't like, they don't deserve, deserve they don't deserve that type of backlash. Right. Like, like getting that serious. But also, too, I mean, I don't know if you heard about this. I don't know if it's a rumor. Did you hear that apparently Rachel might be pregnant? I heard that, but there's a lot of people that have have shut that down. Okay. So <laughs> I, yeah, I I don't know. I I mean, it's possible, mm -hmm. you know, because they had. I mean, how do you make a baby? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, That's but true. I don't know. There's supposed to be some type of um, some type of big reveal that happens on the third reunion episode oh. they're not allowing the cast to sign contracts yet for season 11 because of something that's going to come out mm. on the third ep i don't know it was wow. uh, it, it's been on um the podcast 
a, I heard Charles talk about it on a podcast. Hmm. I've heard a couple other people talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I also saw that Alex, one of the producers who did an interview, stated that there is still something that comes out during the reunion mm-hmm. that a lot of people did not know. I have to show. say, this is like the bet, like watching wise. And I, yes, because <laughs> when you think about it, I don't, a lot of, when I first heard about it, I thought it was staged. I'll, I'll go on record. I even have a page that says, is this the truth or is this staged? You know, mm-hmm. now I'm like, no, it, there's no way it's staged. No. There's they, just they, no they, way. They hang out. Like, yeah, they're not like faking it or like this. No, is they're really real cool. people. And yeah. then when you go back and you start watching, because if it was staged, if you watch season 10, there would be more focus on Tom and Rachel. There would be more of a lighting you up. Instead, you have to find the Easter egg. Like you have to figure out, was this when they started sleeping together? Like when was this when they started Mm -hmm. sleeping together? Because Tom and Rachel just act like, Tom just acts towards Rachel like he acts towards anybody else he's obsessed with on the show well here's the question do you think he had an affair with billy lee uh i think so yeah yeah because ariana's not there they're not friends no i think so i think that he did i think that when it all comes when it's all finally said and done they will find out that he's been having multiple affairs with her Mm -hmm. over the nine years like he's then then it makes i don't think he's ever been faithful Right. And then and then it makes you think back to the old episodes. I watched all the episodes. Like, I then you're kind of like, wow, I was too a little hard on Kristen. I mean, she has her own thing, but like, I did really, too. I thought she was crazy on her, but she was right. She's been vindicated. Yeah. And also, <laughs> Jax, too. Everybody, I, I know, I don't know. Yeah, he was really, and I, I do like how Jack said it. Like, if you watch Watch Rock and Girl, I don't have a leg to stand on. I like how he yeah. keeps saying that. It just makes sense. he does. But see, this is the thing with Jack. He's grown. And he's yeah. always admitted his problems. He's, he's, he's always been. admitted his, his mistakes. That's the thing. Yes. That's the difference between him and Sandoval. Sandoval would still be saying that this happened, even though everybody else is saying it happened. And they have video if, it, if he could get away with it. If he what could about? get away with saying that him and Rachel never had sex, he would still say him and Rachel never had sex. What about what's your thing with Schwartz? Uh, I don't know. I Schwartz. I feel like Schwartz depends too much on Tom, who he is. He's I don't codependent too. Yeah, he's very codependent on Tom. I don't think that Schwartz feels that if he's not friends with Tom, then he. I mean, I know that there's a business relationship there, but I really feel like they should just be business partners and Tom should, and they should break free from each other because Tom brings Schwartz down and Schwartz allowed him to do it. And you know Schwartz what? Schwartz would still be married if he wasn't friends with Tom. And, and from the earlier, was like, which I, I know you watched too, like, I, I, I always felt like I, I, I'm guilty of saying I thought it was Katie, Katie, Katie. Yeah, I, mean, I did too. Everybody has a hand. Like, there's always two to tango. But this episode, like, I really saw it. I was like, Are you serious? Like, yeah. Are you serious? Like, when he did you see when he went and watched what happens live? That was so pathetic. He was like, Well, you know, don't, you know, he's going through a hard time, Sandoval. And I'm like, Oh my god. 
yeah, go give him a hug if you see know, him in person. Like, no, no. But, you know, and that's another thing, like, but Schwartz is, is being empathetic to his friend and his friend is all he knows, you know, mm -hmm. like he couldn't even really say anything when they had the, with the season finale, like he was, he was just telling Tom, you know, you really messed up. Like our business is really having problems, but he was saying it in a way that it was kind of like, oh, you know, this is what's going on instead of really seeing himself and being like, dude, you really are screwing us right now. Like, think about your actions. A real friend would tell you, think about your actions. A real friend wouldn't let you hide an affair for seven months from your yeah, partner. And then him not even telling Ariana and, he, and Ariana was a groomsman in, in, yeah. in the wedding. And I, I'm interested. I would love to I know can, about the backstory with Joe yeah. and Schwartz. Yeah, I can understand why he didn't tell Ariana because I think the way Schwartz is with Tom, mm -hmm. it would have been betrayed a betrayal, even though she was a groomsman. Yeah. But he still should. I think that what Schwartz should have done is he should have told Katie. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. I agree. He should have told Katie and then Katie could have told Ariana. Well, Lala and Ariana, they were on point. They, yeah. they, their intuition was correct, was good. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to add, so this is like good music for MLMs in your personal life, a yeah. little therapy um, technique. for So with people who are narcissism or narcissistic traits, or you, you define them as they're toxic, there's a, a method called, I'm not sure if you heard of it, Gray Rock. So pretty much picture a gray rock. You're going to become a gray rock. Mm -hmm. That's how you're going to become. Because sometimes what I recommend when you're dealing with toxic people or narcissistic traits, cutting off, placing those boundaries, no communication or, is the best. However, if it's somebody in your circle or a family that you can't cut off, have very limited contact. And when you do see them, you use the gray rock method. So you become as uninterested and unengaging as possible so that they do not, so they basically lose interest in you. Oh. So what, what people who are polemic treats or have di are diagnosed with NPD, they are looking to get that reaction out of you. That's what feeds them the most, your reaction. Oh. And they're going to keep going after you. So basically the gray rock method, be as plain and boring as a gray rock, superficial conversations. You don't tell them anything about your life because that's going to give them ammo yeah. and you talk for example superficial conversation talk about the weather well, how's the weather be as boring as possible the person who's toxic or narcissistic tricks they will walk away and go yeah. on, go on to find the source somewhere else okay and i think that's a really good tool because sometimes unfortunately it is to it is people who are close to us so yeah. you can gray rock because Boundaries are extremely important. So if you can cut them off, I would. But if you can't, try that gray rock and limit conversations. And that's another thing when it comes to boundaries. Like a lot of people try to, whenever you set boundaries, I know I've set certain boundaries. I've blocked people on Instagram. And it's just because they've crossed a boundary. And my boundary is if you're disrespectful or comment me in a hateful way, I don't have time for you. I'm not not going to fight with you anything I say to you is not going to help you know um 
and I've had to block a few people. And actually, I've had to block people that are within the anti-MLM movement because mm. they crossed the boundary. And um, I, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, oh, boundaries, blah, 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 like making it a bit like making it nonchalant or like less of a deal. But boundaries are really important for your mental health. And you don't healthy. deserve you don't deserve to be treated a certain way. You don't deserve to be talked to a certain way. You don't deserve any of that. And if somebody makes you feel uncomfortable and they overstep that boundary, you have every right to cut them off and block them if you can. Well, and, and reestablish the boundaries, then, especially if they're yeah. close to you. Because boundaries, even with family, close friends, they are healthy. They're, they're healthy. Yeah. And there's yeah. nothing wrong. And it's part of assertive communication. You're stating your boundary and, and it's very, very healthy. But I, like I said, with, with Norse people who have those traits or toxic, you know, if you can get them out of your, your circle, I would cut off limited contact. If not, I would try the gray rock and just be like a gray rock boring as possible. Don't talk about yourself because that's ammo. They want, okay. they want your emotional reaction and actually try it. Like, um, you can like even test it out. Like what's like your family, like do a gray rock method, like, like test it out. Be like, act as boring as possible, uninterested. And you'll even uh -huh. see like people will just walk away. They're like, all right, I'm, I'm done. Or you I'm can ask them like, how did that make you feel though? They probably would say, well, I'm boring. I don't want to talk to you. And he's yeah. not saying anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good tool to have to provide that like sanity. Cause when you're with toxic people, it sucks the life out of you. Yes, correct. Yeah. Wow. We had a heavy is, conversation. We did. <laughs> wow. So did we go over everything that you wanted to go over today? This we is did. crazy. I hope people take away again. Please don't, yeah. Google, don't Google. Then you're, everybody's going to be like, I'm diagnosed. I feel like I have everything. Yeah. But I hope especially with like the cycle of abuse and the gaslighting, I hope you take that away. So if an MLM comes to you and recognize those signs and, and also too, it's, it's not your fault that this happened, you know, it happens, it happened to me. Um, yeah. And just to only go forward and, and be aware of it. Yeah. Next, you know, if they do, if something happens again, an MLM, cause they'll, they'll, I'm sure they'll keep trying. Yeah. Well, um, I appreciate you coming onto the show today. Yeah. Let's um, let's lighten the mood, and I'll ask you the funny <laughs> question, and then we will wrap it up. Okay. All right. Um, what kind of animal is the biggest party animal? Is the what? I'm sorry. The biggest party animal. I, I would say cats. I don't know. I love cats. They are because they are up all night. My cats are no. crazy at nighttime. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, yep. I mean, I love dogs too, but like cats, they're interesting. They have their own personality. Yes. What song would you play at a party? Mm, probably like some bougie hip hop song, <laughs> like Miss New Bubba Star. <laughs> Yes! Miss <laughs> New Booty. I found Miss New Booty. Me too. Me too. I, would, I feel like that would be great. What is the weirdest food you've ever eaten? 
I'm really not adventurous, but I guess I tried chocolate covered ants. Oh. Were they good? Kinda, because the chocolate. Was, but then it was, right, anything chocolate. Yeah, anything chocolate. It's it could be may. It, it could be yeah. Fine. Well, um, Jacqueline, I usually ask the normal questions. You know, would you join an MLM? But we know that answer. Um, <laughs> you've been on here. This is your third time. You're a I resident um, podcaster now. Um, but I do. Do you have any advice before we get off? to people that may be seeking a therapist um but are scared to go to therapy i would i would i would suggest honestly to listen to your intuition if you're nervous mm-hmm. or you're not ready yet because sometimes we start people start therapy too soon yeah and end up leaving because they're not ready to work on the emotions or actually hear certain things and that's okay. I would I would go when you feel ready. And if you're a little nervous, it's okay too. And if you but if you're pushing yourself and you're a little nervous, it's totally natural because you're you know you're sharing your life and you're being vulnerable with a stranger. Yeah. You can even say, um, you know, you can even say to them, I, I, I'm a little I'm nervous. Or I usually I can sense people's body language, so I usually kind of say that to them. And yeah. And then I kind of like have a conversation about it. If we're doing an assignment, I'm like, okay. I'm like, no, and I get it. I'm like, yeah, like I vow, I'm like, it's a stranger. I would feel the same way. And and then yeah. at the end, they're like, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on. I'm going to put all of your links in yes. the bio or in the description. And yeah, and, uh, I, NIDA, National Eating Disorder. Yes. They, I am. 95% sure that that is in every single mm-hmm. of my descriptions. I'm looking right now. You said IDA, National, oh, Institute, Ida. Of yep, yep. National um, Institute of Mental Health. They, they also have yep. great resources. They, they can, yeah. if you can contact, they can find a specialist with eating disorder. And I also, my last thing, I just want to know, this was heavy topics. Uh, yeah anybody listening or even for yourself to like do something that you love pet an ant, pet your animals or go for a yes. walk just do self-care because this is some heavy topics definitely a heavy heavy episode but mm-hmm. a very helpful episode you know All right, fam. Thank you for joining us on the Call Cheryl Hunt podcast. We hope you found today's episode informative and thought provoking. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear more, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating or review. We'll be back next week with another episode. So stay tuned. If you have a story you'd like to share on the show, please do not hesitate to reach out to me at callcherylhunt at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at call Cheryl Hine or on my personal Instagram at, at Cheryl S. Spears. We always welcome new voices and perspectives. Again, thank you for listening and we hope you'll tune in next time. Until then, take care and stay safe.